Morning Thrive Church, how we doing this morning? All right, it's good to have you guys with us again today as we are continuing our series in the life of David. So turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel 15, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Um, well, recently I got into a little fender bender. I took my son to the science museum there. If you follow me on social, maybe you saw that. And so we're just pulling in front of the science museum, going through to the parking deck, and then there's people on the side. I guess they, they let their kids out. They do, And we're just driving. All of a sudden it's like, boom. I was like, man, I think I hit like a pylon or something. And so I just kind of pull over and look, and then somebody gets out of their car, and they're like screaming at me and yelling. I'm like, oh, I just don't know what I was just driving. I didn't know what I did. And so um, my son's kind of like shaking up, and it was a pretty traumatic experience for him. He's never been in a wreck before. It wasn't bad. Um, so I pull over to the side, and you know, long story short is the people wanted me to be the one to take the blame, and it wasn't my fault, right? Then come to find out a little later, they didn't have any insurance on a Mercedes, yeah, driving a Mercedes and can't afford insurance on it, right? So we, we get in the and my son, we get in the situation, it takes about an hour and a half. Um, you know, the science museum's great. They bring out a chair for him to sit in. He's kind of watching his iPad. We're hanging out. But afterwards, we had the discussion, and he's all about, like, justice and fairness and does do something about it. He's a, he's a, this, he's a nine-year-old of action. I love it, right? He's like, Dad, what are we going to do to them? I'm like, there's nothing I can do. He's like, well, the police were out there. What are, Let's go tell them again and let, let them put them in jail. I was like, I, I, that's not what happens. Like, you know, he's like, and he's trying to figure out how do we handle business with this person, right? His thing now is um, he's not allowed on social media, and he will not be until he is 18 years old um, because that's one of the leading causes of depression in young people. I want, you, I want you to know that, right? So if you're having kids suffering depression all over social media, get them off, right? Some of you adults are suffering from depression and you on social media to get off. So anyway, um, so he's, he thinks that Instagram can fix anything. He's like, Dad, go to Instagram and post on IG and I'm sure we can get it solved. So he's trying all these ways. And here's the conversation I had. I said, here's the deal, son. I said, the insurance company has been notified. You know, um, I've submitted the paperwork. I've talked to them. At this point, we just trust the process. He's asking all these questions. Who's on pay? Who's on this? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know. It is literally out of my hands. I have no idea what I can do about this moving forward. And as I got to think about that, I think like in our life, we face those same situations. And I think the thing is, when we face those situations, we have to answer the question, when I don't have any control, when things are out of my control, when I can't win, there's no clear path to victory, how do I still honor God and serve him? Because it's usually in those situations, whether yours is minute, like a little fender bender, or maybe something major in your life, it's usually when we get in those situations, you'll, we'll find out if we really trust God and believe that he can have control or if we really want control. As you look at the life of David, he's been through a lot. Now David's older in years, and at this point, he's got grown children. His family has been a dumpster fire. A lot of stuff went on there. You can go read that. It was, it was a Jerry Springer episode, right? Um, and he's older in years, and he, and he experiences something, though, that's probably the most painful thing that anyone would ever experience. He's been, again, he's been through a lot. He, he went through a traumatic experience of what he did and the regrets he had, losing a child, went through a lot. But at this point, now one of his sons named Absalom decides that he's going to take the kingdom from his dad, David. 
His dad, David, gives him his first job ever. If you're like me, I, my dad gave me my first job ever. And David's probably thinking, man, I'm going I'm to groom him. Absalom's great. going to raise him up. He's going to be awesome. And Absalom looks for the opportunity to take the kingdom from his dad. He comes in, and he wants to be the people's leader. And what you're going to see here is deceit, manipulation, betrayal, and he tries to take the kingdom from him. And what you're gonna see in David's life is something that I hope we, we all can mimic when we get in these same situations. But I want you to look at 2 Samuel 15 in the story of Absalom. It said, after this, Absalom brought a chariot and horses and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, watch this, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from and they would tell them their tribe. And then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. And watch this. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. Oh, if I were the judge, then everyone would bring their cases to me uh, for judgment, and I would give them justice. And watch here. The manipulation of Absalom here in the next verse is crazy. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let him. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't. Don't, don't do that. Instead, he took them by the hand and he kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment, and so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. And after four years, now this said Absalom did this in a couple of months. David gives him influence, authority, responsibility. And then what happens? After four years of this, David has no clue what's happened here. It says, uh, this here, it says that, um, that he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel, and after four years, Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. Lying, completely lying to his dad. He looks spiritual. It looks like he cares for people. Very deceptive. Then verse 8 says, For while your servant was at Geshur and Aram, I promised a sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, Son, as I put this in there, go and fulfill your vow. He thought, Man, that's my boy. Man, he's going to serve God. Man, this is awesome. It says, So Absalom went to Hebron, but while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, uh, his message read, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. So he took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lives in Gilo. So many others also joined Absalom and conspir conspiracy gained momentum. As the story goes, he takes over the kingdom. And David is the same place that we saw whenever he was chased by Saul, when we first met him. He's been chased in caves. But now this time, not by the king, who he's to serve, but his son. And I want you to understand in this situation, we often look at this from the outside looking in. We look at this as armchair quarterback saying, well, if it was me, here's where I'd just kill him. Yeah, we just, we, I mean, that, that, and that's what we did. But David was in a situation where he did not want to murder his son. He loved Absalom. I mean, some of you guys have kids who just turn out to be complete jerks to you, right? Just to be honest. They steal from you, they lie, they, they do everything. But you love them. 
It doesn't mean you keep letting him do the same thing over and over, but you love him. He didn't want to murder his son. And then here's the second thing. When you have somebody who is a psychopathic narcissist, what they're going to do is, is they want you to act out. So they can say, see, I told you David the whole time was the very man I told you he was. I told you he was a murderer who would try to kill me. That's why I'm supposed to be king. So David couldn't win. David was in a no-win, they call it a double-bind situation where there's absolutely no path to victory at this point. And when you read the Psalms, and you go into the Psalms, always look for the history of it, because you'll start looking in the Psalms and you'll see David writing his most heartfelt messages in the Psalms of when he was being chased by Saul and chased by Absalom. What do I do in this situation? What do I do? And what I want to do for you today is I want you to see yourself in the story as David because you and I will be put in the same situations in life. There'll be things out of your control that you didn't choose. There'll be people that you love and care for that are going to try to harm you. There's going to be situations that rise up that there's no way that you can do anything about this. Just like that situation my fender bender and my son was trying to learn, there's not always that you can just click a button and things happen for you. And when you're in those situations, here's the question that you've got to answer that David had to answer. How do you win in a situation with an enemy you can't fight and a problem you can't fix? How do you win in a situation with an enemy that you, you can't fight and a problem you can't fix? David couldn't fight his son. And David couldn't fix the situation. So what would David do? And that's what we're going to look at today. Because many of you have been through this, and can I tell you the way life is? You're going to go through it again. You're going to have situations in your life with an enemy you can't fight. Maybe your boss is mistreating you or there's something going on. You can't fight them. And it's a problem you can't fix. But that's how our brains operate. Don't you look at the, the, you know, these two points here. It's so important. Because in our human thinking, we often know what we can do. We often want to know what we can do to fix the situation. That's what we do first. When you have a problem, the first thing is, you like, it's called the vanilla ice syndrome. Yo, you've got a problem, I'll solve it. Everybody over the age of 35 got it. Everybody else is like, I don't know who's vanilla ice. What is that? Is that a new flavor they got it? You know, Kona ice, you know, tropical smoothie. So, but we get in the situation personally when we are presented with a problem, let's fix it. And here's the thing too, when you get around people, be careful who you share your problems with. Because people often go into fix-it mode. I mean, I'll be sitting there like going through this stuff and, and you'll face things, especially in ministry, and Keith and I haven't slept in weeks. We're trying to figure this stuff out. Trying to fit. And you sit with somebody, well, have you thought of this? I'm thinking, yeah, all my sleepless nights, I never thought to pray about it. Thank you. <laughs> well, if it was me, I'd just do this. That's the worst thing you can ever do when somebody else is facing something because it's not you. Well, when I went through it, I don't care if you went through it, it's still not you. And people will be in situations in their life that sometimes there's no way to fix it. You just have to be there with them. Just be present with them. And it's okay to say, I don't understand this either. I don't know why this has happened to you. But I can tell you this, I'm here with you even though I don't understand it. And you have to do the same thing for yourself. There are situations that you cannot fix the problem. Nothing you can do about it. And that's where David was at. The second thing that's gonna happen in our human thinking, our brains, also this, we also want to figure out how to fight an enemy to win. 
what do I need to fight in order to win this? And there are times you need to fight things. Don't be wrong. There are, there are injustices in the world and things we do need to fight. And there's times that you're going to be, you know, you may have a, you know, somebody coming after you for something that you didn't do. You fight for it, right? But there'll be times in your life that you, you can't fight. You can't. The Lord's going to tell you not to fight. And you're thinking, are you serious, God? I'm going to lose if I don't fight. Because immediately, think about this, some of you are fighters. Like, like you have fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. When your cortisol starts pumping and adrenaline kicks in, when you're back in a corner and you want to fight. And God will put you in situations where you can't fight. He won't allow you to. And if you fight, you could lose. And, and, and the funny thing is, is this actually happened to Jesus and his disciples. And I want you to write this down. Because God will place us in situations where our strategy, our abilities, and our resources cannot help us win. They can't help us win. I know you're a great problem solver. You can't solve your way out of this problem. I know you have a lot of resources. There's no resources gonna help you out of this situation. And God will put you in situations where you've got to lose in order to win. It's crazy. I mean, think about it. Jesus, who the disciples said, this is gonna be the king, the Messiah, who's gonna rule and reign in Israel. He's gonna take his throne and we're gonna take out the Roman Empire. We've been waiting for the throne of David to be restored, and this is son of David that Daniel prophesied about. This is it. They all knew it. And the very night when Jesus is praying, they're like, yeah, he's going to go pray. And when he gets through praying, God is going to bring the smack down on these people. You just wait. And while he's praying, something happened to them they never thought that would happen. The Jewish leaders and Roman soldiers came to seize Jesus. In their mind, fight fight. This is what we're going to do because he's going to be, if they take him, he won't be the king that takes down Rome. So look what happens here. And John records this. And John was there. He saw this as a young man. And he records this in his gospel in John 18, verse 10. It says, then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. And it says this, shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? And they didn't know what was happening. They're like, if, 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 if he's taken, we lose, and it's over. And Jesus says, if you fight, we're going to lose. Because humility is the way that we're going to win this battle. Put your sword up. And friends, can I tell you, as hard as it is, you got to really, and this is where it takes having a good community of believers. This is where if you just come and sit on Sundays and this is the only interaction you have is just me talking to you and you listen to some songs, you gotta have some people around you who will help you, help you understand this is not the time to fight. This is the time to seek God. You need to be able to also read the scriptures and know what the Lord's saying to you because you're gonna have these situations come up where you wanna pull a sword out and cut their ear off. How dare you do this? This is wrong. And there are situations God's gonna say, you're not gonna fight. And your strategy and your problem solving, all your human ways of logic and thinking are absolutely null in this situation. They cannot be used. And here's the problem, though. If you're like me, I'm a problem solver. That's what I do. You're going to want to do that. But what happens when you always look at problems to solve and we're going to win the fight, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, then you're going to end up living a life of stress because you make yourself God. God. 
Because there's certain situations that either, again, I've said this before, either the Lord's gonna take vengeance or you're gonna take vengeance, but both aren't gonna happen. And we decide to take matters in our own hands and we decide to go take Absalom out and we're gonna show it, then we end up taking God out of the equation. And here's what I've learned and here's my fear for all of us in here and it's this, if we don't release our need for control, then it will take a toll. For people who struggle with control, I want you to understand that we all do at some level, but some people really, and we, we joke and laugh, but they are control freaks. And if that's you in here today, I want to speak to you, not to the people who are being, you know, really hurt by that. But control freaks understand this. You had to learn this early on in childhood because you had a loss of control. And at some point, as a little child in your mind, you said, that will never happen to me again, so you're going to control everybody around you. You don't have relationships, you have control ships. People around you can't share opinions. They can't have freedom. You don't trust anybody. You don't even trust God because you're gonna take it into your own hands. And what happens, the more that we take control, the more stress takes a toll on us. And that's why God tells us to worship. That's what God tells us not to worry. God tries to take that off of us like, no, 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 no. As a kid, that will never happen again. And so when we get in these situations, we wanna control it. What can we do to fix it? We wanna fight it, we wanna come against it, we're gonna do it. And when you have relationships in your life that you're completely controlling people, can I tell you, you will cause stress in your own life and resentment in theirs. God never called us to live to have control like that as a control freak. And so I wanna encourage you because if you're that person, I wanna help you with that because in a way I used to be that person. I used to wanna control outcomes and fix problems and do all that. Now I still have to fix problems or I wouldn't be the pastor of this church, right? That's what I do. Um, I, I fix problems, I don't handle complaints. Complaints go to Pastor Keith Rowell. His email is keith at thrivechurch.me. Any complaint you have about anything, he will, he's great at taking complaints from you, right? But I, you know, I got to a situation one time where I had, I never thought that I would face Absalom. I was told by pastors, and I had one pastor who was very wise, and he's not even in ministry anymore, but I sat with him. He said, the longer you're in ministry, the, especially in one church, which is now 12 years from me coming up in June at this church, you're gonna see things that you've never seen. He said, now, if you bounce around from church to church every five years, you may not ever see it. And I experienced a situation where Absalom happened. I gave some people of great influence and authority and believed in them, loved them, cared for them. And underneath the surface, it was bubbling. And I never thought that a person or people would ever do this to me. And it was the sickest, most brutal thing I'd ever experienced. Never thought. And can I tell you, it took a toll because I'm a control person. And I'm a fighter. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something, you, if you back me in a corner, I am gonna fight my way out of it. I mean, I'm five foot five. I know some of y'all, if you watch online, you think, oh, he's fine. I am short. <laughs> so when I played sports, it's either, I ain't got the size, I had to be mean, right? And so I always learned that, and I learned, you know, as a person, like, you know, my dad taught me from an early age, if bullies approach you, because in ninth, when we grew up, like in high school, we had hazing. You ever had, had hazing, freshman hazing? So like in high school, we had that. And they would take the guys and rip their underwear above their head and, you know, do all those things and, and all that. And so my dad told me, he said, well, it's going to happen to you, son. And my dad, here's what, he wasn't a believer. So don't, don't look at me like that. But my dad, far from it, 
he told me how to beat up a group of people if they came to, toward me. Sat me down at the bar one night, drinking his whiskey. He's like, come here, son, let me talk to you. And he gave me step by step how to take out a group of guys. <laughs> That's what I grew up in. And it happened to me. A group of guys approached me after lunch one day. I was in, I wasn't a Christian. Don't look at me like that. We didn't go to a Christian home. I'm sitting there and these, these guys said, all right, Bordeaux, it's your time to get hazed. And my dad gave me step-by-step instructions and literally the group all ran once I did what he told me to do, um, which I'm not gonna repeat that. So any kid in here ever trying that, right? All I can tell you is when the first approaches, handle business. That's what I did. When the first one approached, I had my business to rest, rest, rest of them ran. So my whole life I've been a fighter. But what you have to realize is the very thing that served you when you were younger will hurt you when you're older. The very thing, the anger that you built up against those parents who neglected you and abused you and did all that, the very anger you hold on to served you as a child but will destroy everything in your life when you're older. The need for control, that people around you can't make decisions, you have to monitor and look at everything they do and nitpick, it served you as a child. It served you in your teens. This will destroy you because it will take a toll. And friends, I entered a situation where I had to do what I've never done before. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Now, I had done it on certain levels, but it's this word called trust. And I want you to write this down, because when you're in these situations where you have an enemy you can't fight and a problem you can't fix, here's what you have to do, and this is the action step I want us to take. It's choose trust over control. Now, I'm gonna time out, I'm gonna pause, and let me give a caveat. Trusting God is not easy. And anybody who comes to you and says, well, just trust the Lord, brother, and they say it that tongue-in-cheek to you, that just kind of, just spread, they have no idea what trust really, trusting God's hard, guys. It literally is, I'm gonna let go, and I've gotta let God now handle this situation, and I, and I cannot do anything about it. Is that not, is it just me? Or do y'all struggle to say, is that not hard? To trust Trusting God, and, we, we, and I hate it, like, it drives me crazy in the Christian world. Just trust God. That's literally like saying, okay, just do the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Go get it. See you later. That's not good advice. <laughs> we need to be told, trust God. It's going to be really difficult. There's days you're going want to want to take control and take the you know, will back from Jesus. And, you want to do it. and it's really, really, really difficult because we have this desire to control and to be in charge of things. But if you're going to be in situations where you don't see a path to victory, you know that, man, this is crazy what I'm facing, what I'm going through. And if you have an Absalom like I did in my life, you've got to choose that. And God told me, I'm gonna teach you how to trust me in a way I've never taught you to trust before. And the scripture I wanna give you is a scripture I've given you before because there are certain scriptures that in your life will come back to you at times you need it and you've gotta live by it. And this scripture is Moses, and Moses is being chased by Pharaoh and the, you know, and, and the Egyptians, and he's trying to get the Israelites out of there. God's releasing them from slavery. And Moses, if you study his life, was a control freak. He was full of outbursts of anger and loved control all the time. Like, you know, I mean, I mean Moses was always, he controlled his image, put the veil over his face, and so nobody could see the veil was there. He got, the reason he got kicked out of the promised land is he took control of the situation out of anger. He struck the rock more times because he was angry at people. Moses had a lot of issues. But at this point in time, God told him, and I wish Moses would have used this the rest of his life, in Exodus 14, 13, something that will absolutely revolutionize your life. And here it is. 
God tells Moses we've been chased by the largest army in the world. You think you've had a bad week. But Moses told the people, this is what God told him, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. That is hard advice to take because everything in you is saying fight, flight, freeze, or fall. Right? You're ready to go. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Is that not difficult advice to take? When you're struggling, when people are coming against you, people are lying about you, people have taken things, if you told them in, in, in private, in confidence, and just out there for the world, that's tough. Just stay calm. See, and I really believe this too. A lot of women get mad and you tell them just to calm down, right? But this is scriptural, women. So husband, next time your wife gets mad, say, hey, listen, listen, calm down. Exodus 14, 13, that always works, right? Because anytime you tell a woman this, she calms down, right? <laughs> No, don't, don't do that. I'm joking. I'm joking. But it is biblical advice. Just stay calm. But this is the hardest advice you'll ever take is to stay calm. Let the, and the Lord told me that. He said, yeah. He said, you can fight back and win. <laughs> you could bury the people coming against you. Bury, I mean bury them. If you went public with things you knew about them, it would bury them. You know what God said? Empty the clip empty the chamber, and throw it down. Stay calm. And I speak that proverbially. I don't mean that physically. I mean proverbially speaking, spiritually speaking, right? Like when you have ammo that you want to use against people, God says, trust, trust. And it was the hardest situation I've ever gone through in my life. Can I tell you something? And when I tell the pastors about this, I go into detail with them, I'm talking to them, how you been doing, this is what I think. And I tell them what God did, boom, 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 boom. After that, the faithfulness of God. I've never seen his faithfulness so tangible in my life, friends. Ever. Ever. You know why? Amen. You can clap for that. You know why? Because the Lord, is what he said to me, he's saying to some of you today, stay calm. I'm going to rescue you. Don't fight this battle. I got this. Stand still. And I had a friend text me um, before some of this stuff happened, and there's a scripture, again, Psalm 4610, which many of you know, and it's be still and know that I'm the Lord. And I think there's situations in your life, you just gotta be still and know that he is the Lord and that he is powerful and he is faithful. My fear is, though, the more you keep taking over and taking control of situations, the less you'll ever see the faithfulness of God. And some of you have never experienced God's faithfulness. I talk about that. And God showing up in ways that only God can do it. Like that, and when that happens to you, you will never forget it. You always go back to his past faithfulness. But as long as you take the situation in your hands, God says, I can't take it in my hands. And that's what David had to do. Eventually what happened to Absalom was he, he ended up killing himself. He was riding through a, on a horse. He had this long flowing, you know, Fabio type hair. You know, he's very vain. And he got caught in a tree, and he's hanging there, and the enemies come and kill him. That's a bad way to die, right? And David wasn't happy that happened, but that's what happens to people who act like Absalom. And let me just say, if there, I don't think there's any in this church, but if, you're, if you act like an Absalom, and, you, and you're fighting unfair, and you're taking low blows toward people, you're going to catch yourself in a tree, and the enemies are going to destroy you. That's just a side note. I don't think anybody's here like that, but that's what happens to them. 
So if you have that in your life right now, and you're wondering, what do I do? Maybe the Lord's just saying to you, stay calm. I'm gonna fight this battle for you. I'm your heavenly father. I'm gonna step in for you. I'm gonna take care of you. But you have to trust him. And trust is extremely stinking hard, guys, if you're normal like me. If you're way spiritual and you're very spiritual, maybe it's easy for you. So I wanna answer the question, well, what do I, how do I do this, right? You're saying trust is hard and I believe it, so how do I trust? And there's three things that have helped me out tremendously when it comes to trusting in situations like this. And the first one is, instead of fighting, operate in faith. Don't fight, operate in faith. Now, are there times to fight? Yes. If you've got a cantankerous ex and that person's trying to destroy you, you may have to fight and say, but fight fair. But there's times God will say, don't fight, have faith. You're not gonna fight this person. You're not gonna fight this thing. You're gonna be, have faith and you're gonna seek me. The second thing we have to do is this. Instead of looking to win, look to worship. You are so consumed with the person or the people that are trying to hurt you, they're trying to destroy you, that your mind is so consumed you have no room for Jesus in your mind. You know what worship is? It's focusing on Jesus alone. You get before him, amen, and you focus on the sovereignty and the power of God. You get on your knees before him and you say, Lord, I focus on you. You are sovereign. You are the creator. You are all powerful. And God, I know you can do anything. I'm gonna worship instead of worrying. Instead of letting these people live rent-free in my mind, I am gonna replace my thoughts with thoughts of how good you are and how faithful you are and that you can do the impossible in my life. And finally, here's what you're gonna do. Instead of operating with stress, choose peace. Peace is not something that just happens to you. You have to choose it or you choose stress. And the more you are consumed with having control and wanting to win and wanting to fight and wanting to get justice and vengeance on that person and prove you're right and prove they're wrong, the more you get into that, the more stress takes over. And one of the, one of the major gifts of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every believer is peace. Paul says righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Jesus wants to give you peace. Paul tells the church in Philippi that don't be anxious or worry about anything, but in everything, pray, seek God, petitions, requests, whatever version you have, give thanks to God. And the, and the peace that passes all understanding, that you, it doesn't even make sense to other people. You're like, God's got this. They're like, how have you got so, that's, that's peace. It will guard your heart and your mind. That means you'll be able to focus on Jesus and worship, but you gotta choose that. You gotta choose the peace of God. I, I don't know what you're facing today, whether you're here today or watching online, but I do believe that some of you may be in the same situation where you're, you have an Absalom situation. You have an enemy you can't fight, and a problem you know how to fix. And you're wondering, what do I do? I'll never forget when I asked God that, I was going through a really difficult time in my life, what do I do? God said, be still. I know, but what do I do? Be still. Yeah, but what do I do, God? 
be still and know that I'm God. So I need to keep coming back. He said, I don't want you to do anything so you can see my power in the situation. Friends, there's somebody here who needs that. I want you to choose to worship. I want you to choose peace and choose to seek God in those situations you're facing. And my prayer is you will see the faithfulness of God come through just like David did. He was restored to the throne and he finished his years out strong, which we'll look at next week. Let's pray this morning. Father, I don't know what every individual is going through in here, but I do know this, Lord. Many of us in here have problems that we can't fix and enemies we can't fight. There are people who walked into this church today with just stress. And they got up, Lord, they're tired, and they came to church because they need you. I pray right now, Lord, that they would take the same stance David took and the same stance that you told Moses to take, that he told the people of Israel to take. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Let the peace of God cover their hearts today. I don't know, God, what they're going through, but may they see your faithfulness, Lord. I pray that, Lord, so others can experience your faithfulness. So they have a testimony of the goodness of the Lord, Father, so people can share that. And I ask that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And as we're praying today, church, and we're in this sacred mode of prayer, maybe your next step is saying, I need to give my life to Christ. That's what I need to do. I need him. I've controlled my whole life, tried to, but now I want to surrender to Jesus. If that's you in here today, whether you're in here physically or online, I want you to pray this prayer after me and take this step of faith. And it's simply pray in this prayer. You say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he's the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again on the third day. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord. I surrender to him today. I choose to follow him today. I turn from my old life and receive new life and forgiveness of sins. God, help me trust you. And it's your name I pray. Amen.